Hey, can we give a shout out to the Lord? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is, God is good. I don't know. I, when, whenever I um, see all the things that God is doing, I feel like such a witness, you know, of God's, um, just his divine power and his ability to change lives. You know, um, I'm going to be introducing, uh, we get to hear from Pastor Kevin today. Um, that was his wife, uh, Shenna, that's there, who's also God's used mightily in their family. And, of course, uh, David Kligman as well. Um, you may not know this, but a lot of people have heard my testimony. How many know that I was walking in total wickedness and wretchedness? And how many, some of you don't know? Well, trust me. And when I think of Kevin, I think, sorry, the same thing. <laughs> you know? It, it, it's, and I think it's in the sinfulness of, of mankind. We, we, we're serving ourselves. We're doing our own thing. And then all of a sudden, God plucks you out of the mud. And it's, I'm not perfect now, and I'm sure Kevin isn't either. But it shows you that the power of God can pull you out of the mud and the muck and the mire, and he can set your feet upon a rock. And he can start bringing cleansing to your own soul. And as he changes you, he asks you this thing. He says, will you follow me? And that's what I've seen um, in Kevin. And I've, Jody and I, in our years as pastors, we've uh, been mentors to pastors uh, throughout Utah and throughout our country. And um, it's been one of our roles um, in our mission movement. And I've always noticed a distinction between people wanting to go into ministry and people being called by God to go into ministry. I think you can have both. I think that God can give you a heart that says, man, I really want to get involved, Lord, show me. But then you have to wait on the calling of God. Do I hear an amen? amen? You have to wait on the calling of God. And sometimes God hardly gives you any choices, right? I've said before that the one reason, you know, I go to church is because I'm a pastor. I have to go to church. <laughs> I would probably never go to church regularly except for the fact that God put me in the ministry so I'd have to be here. And that's the honest to God's truth. You know, it really is. Do you notice I sit in the back all the time? I, and in the classroom, I always sat in the back. And that's always been my, my personality. But yet God puts me up front and prepares me for things that I'm not ready for. And, you know, I, I think when I think of this, I think it's epitomized in Kevin Kligman and his family and what God's done there. I really believe that God, you know, God, he went through training, different kinds of things of training. But the training is a minute thing compared to the call of God and the power of God that rests upon you as you follow him. And it's sometimes the most freeing thing that you can do. And how many know that sometimes we take a bunch of wrong roads until we find the right road? Right? That's kind of how it is. And Kevin, I, I've, I've watched you. You know, through the years that I've known you, which is quite a few years actually, and I've um, I've been blessed first of all by God's sovereign work in your own heart, in your own life, and I think everybody who knows you who's honest would say they've seen it too, that God did something, and I think that as God, you know, moved you to a place, you know, where when He called you to the Philippines, that it was His divine hand. That was him using whatever circumstances 
that he'd use to bring you there. And I think the sign of it is that uh, God opened your heart and met you with a power that you didn't have before. Something new. And that happens when you step out. How many say amen? Can I have the team? We are sending a mission team there as well. There's like 15 people on that team. If you're on that team and you're here, I know not everybody's here. Well, there's quite a few here. We are going to pray for Kevin, and I almost didn't let him preach because he had a Windows computer. <laughs> Seriously. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but it is funny to me. I just can't preach with the power of a Mac. That's true. We're going to give it to him today. Um, these guys are all going to the Philippines. Hi, Miranda. And God is going to do a great thing. Amen. And I really would ask you guys, and I know Kevin would say this too, and you'll be spending a lot of time with him, but don't just be open to we're going to go there and do whatever. Be open that God may do something powerful, you know? And God often uses the very little things to bring breakthroughs to places. Kevin's going to share a few in his stories with you guys, and just be available to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray that. Would you guys join us in prayer? As, as I, I'm going to pray for him. Can you guys lay hands on Kevin? I'm gonna... Thank you, Father God. Lord, I, first of all, I praise you for your goodness, Lord. Yes, God. Lord, it's so much better than we deserve. Lord, thank you for the cross and for giving us our sinfulness. Yes, Lord. I thank you for that. And I thank you that for depositing yourself into our hearts. And I, I, we lay hands on Kevin and we say, Lord, would you bring your increase? May who Kevin thought he was decrease and may your power increase in his soul. Yes, Lord. Lord. And we, just, we don't just pray it for one person. Lord, we pray it for him symbolically that this prayer and the way that we're thinking about it, not just today, but Lord, the things that you're doing, we pray that for that nation. We pray that for Bata'an and Belanga, and all those places around there. Lord, all the way to Pastor Miranda and all the places that he is responsible for. And Lord, spread out, Lord, the influence of the gospel. Yes, God. Lord, we stand against the lies of the enemy, Lord, that says the gospel will be overwhelmed. And we say, Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against the life of the church, but it will prevail in Jesus' name. I pray for this team, Lord, that they'd have one heart, I pray that they'd be servant-oriented, that you'd build deep relationships. Yes, Lord. Lord, that they would have the right amount of fun and influence, Lord, and that you would give them one heart and one mind. We pray blessings upon them. And Lord, may the finances increase in the Filipino church. May it multiply. Lord, I know they need a new place because they're jam-packed. Lord, would you multiply the location? Yes, Lord. Give them a place that fits what you're doing. And give them favor. Raise up leaders all over the place. And those that are available. And let them find out who they are in you. The true key is to be themselves in the Lord. Show them that. We pray blessings on Kevin. I thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness. Lord, for his availability to your spirit. Lord, for um, even his humility, Lord, and his own repentance. Lord, that you've shown him and he's always responded. I thank you for that. Blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
thanks, guys. Wow. It's, a, it's amazing for me to be back here, actually. To come back here to the place where, for me, just everything kind of started. I had these moments where God just reached into my wretchedness, into who I was, met me, and transformed me. I remember before, Jody and Eric, they used to have to introduce me. They would say, oh, this is Kevin Kligman. Uh, He's been redeemed. (laughs) He's an example of redemption. Like, don't worry, God's working on him. Like, maybe you've heard stuff. (laughs) It's true. But God has a plan. Like, we see something. God sees something. There's something more. Um, And it's just amazing to be back here, kind of where it all started for me. Uh, I just, I can't believe it. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Uh, Would you guys mind, would you just stand up with me? Uh, I just want to just recognize the Spirit of God today and just pray uh, to any of my Filipino friends that might be listening. May the grace of God be resting upon you today. Let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the cross, that we walk in grace, that we walk in your love. I just ask today that your Holy Spirit just be with us, guiding us, leading us, that your word become living and active today in our hearts and minds, that it be transforming to our lives, that we would experience you, God, and we would see you in new ways, that we would learn to follow you, that we would desire you as you have desired us. God, just show us you your life. Show us your love. Show us who you are today. Move in power here, God. I've seen you move, and today I ask you to move here amongst everybody that's here, God. And then it pour out, not just here, but to the whole valley, to the whole of the state, that you would do something new. In Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about a life lived following Jesus. We're going to be in Luke 5, and I just want to get right into it. Luke 5, Jesus is teaching in a crowd of people. He just started his ministry, and there's a bunch of people gathering around. Luke 5, 2 says this. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come in and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, 
Sometimes things become kind of 3D to you and mean a little bit more to you when you live in a different situation or you do things differently. I was talking about it last week. He went to Israel and things made sense because he got to see where Jesus walked and where he was and how things were. Well, this matter, this happened to me because I live in a place where people do things very differently and sometimes people do things the same way they have for thousands of years. So this is Juanario, this picture, he's Juanario. He's one of my friends there. In fact, I went there one day and I met him. He was pulling his boat up in the middle of a typhoon. He was scared because his boat was being tossed by the waves and he couldn't get it up fast enough because the waves were coming in so high that everything was getting just thrashed and lost. So I went out there, I was just walking, and, and I helped him pull, pull his boat up on to the shore. We had to pull it about 100 yards in because the waves were so high. This is one area. One area reminds me of Peter. See, the fishermen, they live there, and they live in the poorest parts of the communities. The slums are built along the riverbanks and the ocean edges because that's where the fishermen live, and they just go out and they work so hard, so, so hard. They get up early in the morning and they, they go out and they don't know how long they're going to be gone because they don't come back until they catch enough fish to feed their family that day. And sometimes one area goes out and he doesn't come back for three days. He doesn't come back until he can feed his family. And that's it. He doesn't worry about anything else. He doesn't think about clothes or shoes or the movie he's going to go to or anything like that. He just goes and he catches fish. And that's what he is. And he lives his entire life in this neighborhood. In fact, he never goes out. Most of them, they never leave this world that they know. This is it. And I see him and what he does and it reminds me of this story. See, he goes out and he washes his nets, sometimes for hours, trying to mend them, get all the stuff out. He has partners because one boat can't do it by themselves. When they go out, they have to spread the nets between two boats. He can only afford one boat, so he partners with somebody else to, that has another boat, and they work together. So this story makes sense to me. This Simon would have to call his partners out because I know that that's how it works. I know that's how it works. Sometimes he comes back and he barely has any fish. I'll tell you, he's never experienced this, where the boats were so full that they were sinking. But I get this story. I get it. It makes sense to me now. And it goes on and says, in Luke 5a, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John's, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats in and left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. 
It's amazing, this story to me. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but I read this and it just blows me away. What happens when Jesus comes and meets you where you're at? Whether you're a fisherman or you're sitting here or whatever you do and you know what you are, you think you know what you are, what you've always been, and God comes in and meets you. He comes in and meets you. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be what you've always been. I have more for you. You don't have to be what you've always been. There's something else there. I have something more from you, more for you. New life as a follower of Jesus is not the same as the old life. It's not the same as the old life. Jesus is going to come and he will meet you because he loves you so much. He will get in your boat. He will get into your situation no matter what that situation is. He will meet you there. He will meet you and you will see the power of the cross. He loves you so much. He just wants to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your new life in me will not be the same as the old one. See, Peter, he thought he was a fisherman. He did. He thought he was a fisherman. Hard life. Hard life. He'd worked so hard for so long his own way. Probably like the fisherman one area that I know, like my friends there, no education. He grew up knowing he would be a fisherman because that's what his dad did. Because there is no other life but that. So he worked and he tried and he did what he could. And he kept doing it. And you can see when he said, we've been doing it all night. We've been doing it all night. You can see the tiredness in in himself in trying to do it on his own. You can see the failures of trying to do it on his own. If you're like me, you've experienced those failures. If you're like I am without the cross, you've experienced destruction in your life. And you thought you knew what you were. You thought you knew what you were. I was a cook. I was a chef. I was a restaurant guy. I was this. I was that. God met me. He said, you're not any of those things. You're more. You're more than you ever knew you could be. You're more than you could ever imagine in me, with me, by the power of the cross, by the power of what I've done. He got in my boat. And he said, your new life is not the same as your old life. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. 
Luke 9:23 says, "He was saying to them all, "If any wish, one wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever wishes to lose my life, his life for my sake, he's the one who will save it." Your new life cannot be the same as your old one. In order to follow Jesus, you have to let everything go. You can't keep and hold on to everything. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Peter. He left everything. He just pulled his boat up on shore, and that boat is everything to him. It represents his job, his security, his life, everything that he is, everything he's ever known. He pulled it up, dropped his nets, even the fish that they caught that day, and he left and followed Jesus. Because he said, you're something new, Peter. You're a new creation. The old you is dead, and the new you is in me. So leave everything behind. You don't need any of that anyway. You don't. You think you do. All of your security is in that. Everything you are is in that. But that's not who you were made to be. That's not you. That's not you. Whoever loses his life and follows me will save it. You are free to live for him. You are free to live for him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who, might, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Do you know that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free? When Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, he did so so that you can be free to live for him. So that your old life would no longer have power over you, but you could leave everything behind and say, I want to follow you. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom. Not only that, but you are his. You were made by him, for him, and through him. Nothing in the world was made without him. In him, everything was made. You're made for him. You belong to him. You belong to him. Everything you are belongs to him. I don't think we understand that enough. I think sometimes we think that God is made for us. We have this list of things that we've decided we want. We've decided that we should have. We've decided that we are. And we tell God, you fit into that. You be that. But you're free from that. You can live in him. You can belong to him. 
You can. You are his. You are. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. When you look at the cross and you look at what Jesus has done and you turn to him like Peter did and you say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't do it on my own, God. I'm a sinner. I've screwed everything up. And you turn to him and he says, you're going to be a new creation. You become his. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Therefore, honor him. You're his. And you know what? It's not a bad thing. I know people might feel like, oh, I don't know if I want to belong to somebody. I don't know if I want to belong to somebody. You belong to something already. You're either living in the flesh and you're a slave to your flesh or you become a slave to righteousness in Jesus Christ. You have the freedom to suddenly be everything that God wanted you to be. You belong to him. It's an amazing thing. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. And you know why? Because Jesus desires to be with you. He does. God so loved you that he died for you. That you might be with him for all of eternity in life. He's done everything. He denied who he was, lowered himself, humbled himself, making himself nothing to the point of death, not only death, but death on the cross so that he can be with you. He wants to be with you. He loves you so much. He just wants to be with you. He wants to be with you more than anything else. In the beginning, when he made us, he said, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will be with you. I will be with you. And when we follow, we follow to be with him. No other reason. We follow because we want to be with him. If, if not, why are you doing it? Why do we follow? If not, to be with him. I know maybe you're like, okay, well, I can get to heaven and see the golden streets and the, the nice pearly gates and all that stuff. Are you joking? None of that exists without him. Eternal life doesn't exist apart from him. We just want to be with him. His love compels us so much that we have no choice but to love and to be with him. And you know what? At the end of everything, there's going to be one question left. It's not going to be what you did right, what you did wrong. Thank goodness for that because I've done so much. It's not going to be how hard you worked, how many things you did in church, how many services you went to. There's going to be one thing that he's going to ask. And he's going to ask, 
Do I know you? Do I know you? That's the question. Do I know you? Matthew 7, 23. Jesus is talking. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You can do all that. You can do all that. And if you're not doing it to be with Jesus, is he going to say, I know you? That's the question. Do I know you? And you know what? Until the day you die, he will pursue you because he wants to be with you so much. To the moment of your death, he will pursue you and he will draw you to the cross so that he can say, I know him on that day. Matthew 25, 11. They're talking about the virgins that are waiting for the bridegroom. It's a parable Jesus is talking about. And some of them get distracted by other things. And they go away. They run out of oil and they go away to buy more oil. And it says in verse 11, And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. You called yourself a Christian. But you didn't desire to be with me. You didn't wait for me. You're not with me. The ones that came, they came to be with him. They desired to be with them. I don't know if their oil ran out or what, but they, I don't think they cared. They wanted to be with Jesus, and they went in with him. And the other people weren't available. They were somewhere else. He desires to be with you. He desires to be with you. I love what Paul says. Philippians 3.8 What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, he thought he knew what he was. He was a Jew of Jews and he thought he was in the right and he persecuted Christians and he knew what he was and God, Jesus, came into his situation and met him and said, no, you're something else. You're something so much more. Now instead of killing my people, you're going to raise them up. You're going to proclaim my name. And you're going to do these amazing things. I just want you to be with me. 
And Paul says this. He gets it. He gets it. His old self was gone. He got knocked off his horse. He didn't have much of a choice. God pursued him to the point where he had no choice, but he came into his life and he changed him out of love and desire to be with him. And Paul was never the same again. He was changed. He was changed. His old life was not the same as the new one. He was a new creation. New creation. And through Jesus, you become whole. You become whole. What does that mean? Sometimes we're scared of losing everything or who we are or our identity. And we're so focused on what we give up or what we were. What you were never made sense. Without Christ, without the cross, what you are will never make sense. See, I thought I was all these things. I thought I was a chef. I'll tell you, as soon as I stopped being a chef and start being a follower of Jesus, God started to use that in my life. I loved cooking. Now I don't cook at a restaurant. I cook for little kids who don't have anything to eat without shoes on the street And God uses that to save them. He does. He uses that to save them. I thought, oh man, I love basketball. I'm a huge jazz fan. I always have been. I love playing basketball. I'm too short to be a good basketball player here. Fortunately there, I'm tall. But I gave that up. I said, you know what? I'm not just a basketball fan. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first. And then God said, I'm going to take that desire, that love you have, and I'm going to use it there. I'm going to use it for my glory. And I want you to go there. And I want you to pick the kids that nobody will talk to, that aren't even allowed to play on the basketball courts because they can't afford any type of shoes that everybody looks down on and I want you to pick them and I want you to teach them how to play and I want you to be their coach. And then I want you to watch as I be glorified and they become champions in the tournament. That's what God does when you start to give your life to him and you follow him. The stuff that's in you makes sense. It just makes sense. I thought I was like a musician. I used to love to play guitar. I did it very badly. And I go there and I have no choice because I'm a pastor now and pastors do everything when they plant a church. But God used that And I worship him, even badly, but people see who Jesus Christ is through that. I never knew that would happen. But the things that God created in me, the loves and the desires and all of that make sense. They do. When you suddenly follow him and you desire to be with him and he starts to make you new and you become something else, everything you were starts to make sense. In him. It just does. 
Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. I've heard people use this verse, and they are talking about getting a Ferrari or a car. Like, oh, I'm just going to seek his kingdom, and I'm going to get a Ferrari. Like, that's awesome. Everything I desire is going to happen to me. But I think he means this, that when you see Jesus Christ and you're fixed your eyes on him, on the cross, on what he's done, and you're following him, then everything you are makes sense. And the desires of your heart make sense. He gives you these things that you never knew that you could have in ways that you didn't expect. If you're great at something, maybe God is asking you to surrender that to follow him, but maybe God will use that in a completely different way than you ever expected. And if you're bad at something, he will do the exact same thing. He will use your strengths and your weaknesses and they will all start to make sense in him, in the kingdom. It's just how it works. Through Jesus, you have a purpose. What do I mean by that? I mean that sometimes... We think we're making all these decisions and we have so many choices and they all lead to destruction. I'm this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm going here, I'm doing that. And things start to fall apart and you keep trying more and more and more and you have all these options. I remember growing up and everybody said, you can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. I'm like, oh, that's great. So I'm going to be this and this and this and I'm going to do this. But when you follow Jesus Christ, he does this amazing thing and he takes away your choices. (laughs) He does. He takes away your choices. And he says, today you're going to go here. Today I want you to walk across the bridge. And you're like, okay, I'm going to walk across the bridge. But you don't know that that bridge is a bridge that's never been crossed before. That you're going into a community that nobody goes in. You don't know that everybody is watching you cross that bridge saying, what is that crazy guy doing? He's going into the place where nobody goes, to the people that nobody cares about. Why is he doing that? And then I start talking to people and I have no idea that I'm even breaking rules. (laughs) And God starts to move. And I pray for a lady who has this cancerous node in her leg and she gets healed. And people start to feel loved and cared about. Like this guy, where'd he come from? The other side. What is the white guy doing here? (laughs) Like he could afford to go there. Why is he here? And your choices are gone because God just says, we're going here. Follow me here. 
We're going to go down this street. We're going to go into this house. I remember somebody died in the neighborhood. I didn't know the family. I don't know anything about them. And Jesus said, we're going to go to that funeral today. In fact, we're going to go to that funeral every week, every day this week. Funerals last seven days there. It's kind of crazy. But I just want you to meet them. And I go there before all the craziness and drinking happens and all of that, and I just pray with the family every day for seven days. And I don't know what God's going to do. But the two daughters came out of prostitution. And one of them is leading our worship team. And the little kids who are watching me pray, they all come to our, our services now. And the fisherman husband, he came to Christ. Now that whole family plus two of the neighbors came to Christ. I don't know those things, but even the simple things, the, the one thing that I had the choice to do had a purpose. It had a purpose that was beyond me, beyond what I could have imagined. I don't plan these things. I'm not smart enough to plan these things. I'm not cool enough to plan these things. Trust me, I know. There's people here who know me. They will tell you. But through him, what you are makes sense, and you have a purpose. You do. Matthew 7, 13 explains this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. I think he's talking about this. When Jesus comes in and he meets you with the cross, with what he did, and he enters your life, and he says, you could go and have all these choices. You could go and the whole world is open to you. You could be this, you could be that, you can do this, you can do that, or you could believe in me, follow me. You only have one choice. You just go where I go. That's your choice. But it will be empowered and with a purpose. And you will be made, you will be exactly what you were made to be in every way. Through Jesus, you are empowered. 1 Timothy 1.13 says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Man, this is me. This hits me so hard. I know what I am without Jesus. I'm these things, a blasphemer, persecutor, and a violent aggressor. But when Jesus came, he got in my boat, in my situation. He said, you were something else. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. I left everything. I said, I'm just a follower of Jesus now. And then 
He strengthened me, like it says here. He strengthened me and put me into service. And I praise God for that. I praise God for that every day. Every time I see a new miracle, every time I see somebody come to Jesus, every time I see somebody healed, every time I see somebody fed, I just thank him that he decided to get in my boat that he led me to the cross. Finally, after so many years of pursuing me, he finally led me there, and I finally left who I was to be who he wanted me to be. It was just his mercy. It was just his grace. Every day, it's still his mercy and grace. It's not my power. People say, oh, you're doing great things over there. Like, I just get to watch. I just get to watch. Like he says, walk over a bridge and he does all this stuff. And he goes before me. Like I've seen whole peoples, whole neighborhoods stand up in reverence for the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. It's not me. It's the Spirit of God. And I just follow And I get to watch what he does. The amazing things that he does. I get to go there and see kids fed, clothed. There's a group of kids who walks almost 10 miles to come to church every day and they're so embarrassed that we can't pick them up because they won't let us go in their neighborhood because they're afraid we're going to get killed or robbed or things like that. So they walk every day. They don't have shoes. I gave him shoes and they got stolen. Somebody else took them from him, but they they just walk every day. And I get to see that. I get to see the transformation that God will do by the power of His Spirit. So today, I just want to say, it's not just the Philippines. It's easy to say, okay, he's this missionary pastor. Of course he's empowered there. He's empowered here. God works here. God is here now. He's with you now. Can you just stand up and let's just respond? Father God, we just thank you for the cross. We thank you that you died and rose again, that we might have life in you, that you desired so much to be with us that you would do anything for us. We thank you that you come into our situations, that you come into our wretchedness, into our sin, into our lives, into our idea of who we are, into our boats to our lives and families. And it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness that leads us to say, God, we could never do this on our own. And it's your love that embraces us. Right now, if this is you, if, if you're a person who's been trying to do it all on your own. 
who hasn't experienced the love of God, who's here and tried to do everything on their own and you're tired. God is here for you. He's pursuing you. He desires you. He wants to be with you. And right now you can have your whole life changed in him. If that's you and you want that in your life, just raise your hands or get on your knees or come here. In some way, just respond and say, I want you. I want to be with you. I want to be a new creation. I want my old life to go away. And maybe you're like me for so long and you tried to fit God into your weekends and you said, God, just follow me. I'm doing all this stuff. Maybe you tried to fit God into your schedule and tried to keep all of your old life. If that's you and you want to have the life that he wants you to have, if you want to be the person that he made you to be, if you want to stand before God on the throne and know that he knows you, please just respond to him now. Respond to him. Raise your hands. Get on your knees. Whatever you need to do. Just respond to him because he wants your life. He wants to transform you. He wants to empower you. He wants everything you are to make sense in him. And I just sense that there's so many people and stuff just doesn't make sense for them. They're confused. They're faced with choices. They don't even know how to navigate. And when you follow Jesus, the burden is so light. His yoke is light because all you do is follow him and he starts to lead you and guide you into who you were made to be and you don't even have to think about it. Father God, I just pray for each and every one of these people here today. I thank you for them. They're not here by accident. They're here because you have called them, because you've pursued them, because you desire them. We just ask that you move today in their hearts. That your kindness and your love be so evident to them that they would be repentant, that their hearts would be changed, and that they too would desire to follow you and see what you have for them. New life, new roads, new hope, new love. And for those who just aren't ready to give everything up, I just ask that you help them to see that you are worth it, that life in you is amazing, life in you is powerful, that there's nothing that they have that could even compare to a day with you. And just help us to surrender to you. God, I just thank you for your redemption, for the work in my life, for the work in my family. And I ask you to continue to work and move because none of us are completed works. But you are faithful. What you have started, you will complete and you will carry on and work until the day of completion. And I just ask for that. 
in my life and in each person here. I pray this in Jesus' holy, glorious name. Kevin for coming out. Um, he's coming home and he's, he's visiting and he's spending time with his kids and his family that's here and you know we just want to bless him um, and just say thank you Kevin uh, for sharing your heart and for sharing what God is doing in your life. And this morning I know Kevin would not want to let you leave this place without asking this one question. Does he know you? Does he know you? This morning, if you're here and you don't know the love of a Savior that died, that redeemed you, that wants to have a relationship with you, does he know you? Do you know him? This morning as we close, these altars are open. We want to invite you to come up. We want to pray with you. We want to introduce you to a man who can tell you everything you've ever done and redeem you and stand in the gap for you and love you through every issue, every problem, every circumstance in your life. He will stand in the gap for you. Do you want to know him? This morning as we close, if that's you, I just invite you to come forward. If not, you're dismissed with this time. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks again, Kevin. We love you. Have a great afternoon.